the third pick in the 2019 NBA Draft, the New York Knicks select R.J. Barrett from Toronto and Duke University. That's no Porzingis reaction from the draft, kids. <laughs> no crying today. This is who they wanted. Number one player ranked going into his freshman year at Duke. Led the ACC in scoring. Had one of the great seasons in recent college basketball history in terms of scoring 860 points in his freshman year. At his fifth among freshmen all time in Division I history. And my Kobe mentality, just that competitive mentality. So, you know, everything all together to get the Maple Mamba. I saw you getting a little emotional when you saw Dad start to walk up here. Uh, Dad, what does it mean to be in this moment? Because he told you when he was 12, this is the stage that he wanted to stand on. I'm excited for him. Uh, you know, your, your children make goals. And they go out and achieve them. You have to be proud. Very proud. I'm proud of you, son. Hey everyone, and thank you for tuning in to the Nickish Podcast. This is episode number 22. Uh, my name is Mo, and I'm here with Nafi. Uh, and we are about four days away from free agency. Uh, so the draft just happened, a bunch of trades happened, but right now we're smack in the middle of kind of like a no-man's land, but we're, we're, we have all these things going on, and you know Nafi and I are just getting ready for it. So you know, how are you feeling about everything, bro? Nervous. Scared, but you know, same old, same old. If you're a Knicks fan, right? I mean, similar to what was it nine years ago before the summer of 2010? It's fucking back then. It was refreshing like Knicks message boards and shit. Right now, it's just like swap that out for Twitter for any ounce of news. Like this fucking crackhead for looking for a next <laughs> fix. You know what I mean? Any ounce of news, anything. But I feel a, like, a nibbling of news. <laughs> I feel like something feels a little different about this year. I don't know if it's just me, but. I feel like worst case scenario, we don't get anybody, and I'm cool with that. Uh, actually, no. Uh, scratch that. I feel like worst case scenario would us be giving a bad contract to a not so good player or like a tier two, three player. That would be the worst case scenario. Hopefully, that doesn't happen. But in the case that we don't actually sign anybody, I wouldn't be as devastated as I was back in you know 2010 when we didn't sign LeBron or D Wade. I don't know if that's just me though. Nah, I feel like there's a lot of. A lot of Knicks fans out there that feel the same way. Um, some of the Knicks brethren we be uh, you know, interacting with and like 
following on Twitter and all that. I mean, you go to straight to the top, like the Knicks film school guys, like Macri, especially level-headed dude. He's he's been kind of like saying the same thing, just like in terms of this summer, we're we're in a good spot, you know. Like, I mean, anybody with a rational kind of viewpoint can see we got a shitload of cap space, got some young players, got a a nice war chest of draft picks, you know. Like people mentioned the Dallas picks, but we still we got two second rounders coming from uh, Charlotte. For, for next year and the year after that. So yep. given, uh, given how garbage they're going to be, I mean, those are some good picks, right? So, I mean, to your point, I mean, we're, we're, we're in a good spot, you know? Like if, I mean, let, let's be honest, like the KD injury kind of, kind of sat my enthusiasm for this summer, you know? Cause I, if, if that didn't happen, bro, this week, I probably would have been like on, on 10, you know, just straight up bouncing off the walls and shit. Cause like, you know, it, I mean, it it's still possible, but like if if we were to get KD a healthy KD, we would have just cut the line and went straight to the top in terms of like being a contender. You know what I mean? Like that was that was our cheat code in the bag. But now it's like you know, future is murky. Even if we do get KD, knock on wood, you know, dudes hurt, might need a redshirt year. So, but I mean, yeah, I mean, all told, enthusiastic, optimistic, just given that our worst case scenario. Which isn't even the worst. It's like if we miss out on some big fish, we ride out a tr- traditional rebuild with a nice young core, you know? So yep. I'll show you on that. And while you mention it, uh, to all the listeners, if you don't follow us on social media, follow us on Twitter and Instagram. That's at Nickish Podcast. Uh, you know, we do tweet a lot. We try to post as much as we can. Uh, give us a follow, like, retweet, comment, rate our shit. Um, but, you know, back, back to the Knicks for a sec. Um, we haven't we haven't talked since uh, before the draft. So since that time, a bunch of stuff has happened. Uh, first of which, or you know, most importantly, was our actual draft. Now, a day or two before it happened, or even the day of, we were a little concerned of what might happen because uh, rumor had it that the Pelicans were interested in R.J. Barrett and pairing him up with his Duke brother Zion Williamson, who would be the number one pick and. You know, I was kind of worried that they might try to pull off a trade and try to move up from four to two uh, and take the Grizzlies pick, but luckily that didn't happen, and we ended up getting our our boy R.J. Barrett. Chill, thank God, because I saw those same rumors you did. You know, just like I think it was like maybe the day of and day before the draft, there was like some steam picking up to uh, New Orleans. He's like trading up to number two. I don't know, which explained us bringing in like Garland and uh, Kobe White for last minute workouts. Garland was like the night before the draft and Kobe White, like it was the morning of the draft. We worked them out. So I think like to me at that point, it told me like two things. It's like, okay, the front office is doing their due diligence. You know, it never hurts to just look at the highly rated prospects when they're entering the league. Cause I mean, you never know, like in four or five years, these guys could be really like all-star level players. So if, uh, if our GM and president kind of hit it off with them now, you know, plant a seed, you know, you never know what could happen, right? But and two, I guess what I was thinking at that time was yes, they there was some there was some legitimacy to all them rumors about like Memphis going up to number two, not Memphis, but uh, New Orleans going up to number two. So if that happened, I mean, I guess we were just preparing to take these other guys. And honestly, I was also kind of thinking, just like maybe in the back of my mind, that maybe we're entertaining training now for number three, but. Oh, I'm not gonna lie, you would have been disappointing, bro, because at that point, like you and I were both on that RJ train. So, I mean, once Woj kind of confirmed that it were locked into him, it was like a sigh of relief, you know? So, right. And just to, yeah. I just want to take a second, you said Kobe White, I believe you meant Jared Culver for workouts. No, 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 with, 
No, 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 no. It was the day of Kobe White from UNC, the point guard. We worked him out. We brought him in last minute. Okay. All right. Because like I know we also drafted draft Jared Culver in preparation just in case. Um, yeah, bro. I was I was back in New I was back here holding it down on the Nickish podcast <laughs> while you off in LA vacationing. So I'm coming with accuracy. How You're dare right. you try okay. to right. correct me? Look at you, you Jared Culver. <laughs> <laughs> Well, You're right. I was under that. I was under the palm trees hanging out and shit. I saw a tweet by Woj. We got RJ and I closed my phone. <laughs> yeah, I'm uh, I'm out here just putting the squad on his back though. You over there just fucking joyriding, probably grabbing some tickets, living that real life G GTA shit. So, hmm. I mean, uh, not that I'm better, a little bit better, but uh, uh, <laughs> not entirely. <laughs> uh, so I am a hundred percent down for for rj barry i like the stuff that the knicks are doing you, you you already know that they learned from their mistakes just because of the way they've been treating him the last few days i'm sure you saw the video of um the knicks kind of did a little bit of an introduction for rj barrett in msg when he first walked in they kind of goosebumps bro you goosebumps, know what i mean bro. definitely goosebumps <laughs> but you know they learned from their mistakes from from Kristaps, um and they're trying to make sure that their their top pick their highest pick in you know over 20 years 30 years almost um made sure that they that he knew that he was appreciated by by the franchise what do you mean by learn from their mistakes though like i feel like we gave kpa warm welcome i mean the franchise did when we drafted him right now we did we, we did what we fans. could but at a point you know he felt underappreciated especially with the way phil jackson was treating him so i'm sure there oh, was yeah, some I mean, there was there was some there was some backlash from that and back from i think two years ago in 2017 a lot of the rookies didn't want to work out for the knicks and I think that was kind of stemming off of that regime, um, but now it was. I think Kevin Knox was, was one of the early players who who was down to work out for the Knicks and was excited. And now RJ, you see, is very excited. Um, so they're kind of the the current regime of Steve Mills and Scott Perry kind of did a big turnaround. But even two years ago, there were a lot of rookies who didn't want to work out for the Knicks. Yeah, and I mean this credit got to go to Scott Perry, man. Came in just I think with within a short time frame because it was like like you said, 2017. I think uh, it was an article that ESPN, ESPN affiliate, the undefeated, put out, um, basically saying that like back in 2017 at the draft combine and just when they were trying to get workouts, none of the Kentucky kids wanted to work out for us. Right. We had like the number eight pick, right? And like a flash forward a year, like Kentucky's number one like prospect at the time, like Knox, um, was enthusiastic as shit about joining us. You know, so like Perry credit due to Perry just for coming in and just like. It's a lot of things that we can't see because it's going on in the background, but just I guess league wide, a reputation kind of got lifted up, you know. As Perry, as soon as as soon as he walked in the door and just brought some legitimacy with him, so right. I mean, kudos to him for that because I mean, it's a quick turnaround because like, you see how RJ and his family, I mean, his pops just reacted to him coming to our organization. It's just nothing but high hopes, and it was a beautiful sight, bro. No, <laughs> when he was up there with his pops, like in an interview, like you tell me that wasn't a tear jerker. You saw that, oh, right? I loved that. You can I posted that right away. Um, now there, I saw an interesting video today on on ESPN. It was Jalen and some some other guy. Um, They're basically asking who has more pressure in his first year, his rookie year, between Zion and RJ. And I don't know if it, again, I don't know if it's just me, but I'm I'm very much disliking the way. New York is, or the Knicks are being portrayed right now in the media, and they're kind of just showing us as being an impatient franchise or, or like a fan base. What else is new? What else is new? But bro? I feel like it's it's, like... it's just it's gotten like it's gotten like ten times worse, especially now because we're actually not like that. You know? Yeah, what I mean? it, it's ten times worse because it's actually exactly like that's the point right there. Like 
those criticisms, they were over the top when we were actually dysfunctional, like two, three years ago. But now it's just extra over the top just because nothing Scott Perry has done since he came in in summer of 2017 is typical Nick shit, you know? We've been people running it like a grown man organization, right. competent. It's like smart moves here and there. So, I mean, I, not to cut you off they, entirely, but yeah. They were saying that, like, oh, they're, they're saying, like, oh, yeah, definitely RJ has has more pressure on his rookie season than Zion. I completely disagree with that. They're saying, oh, because of the, the Knicks media and the amount of pressure the fan base gives and they just have high expectations, they're going to want, like, you know, someone in on, like, during the press conference, someone asked him, is he, ready put, is he ready to put the whole franchise on his shoulders? I, as a Knicks fan, don't expect him to put the whole franchise on his shoulders. I don't want him to think that he has to. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I think I mean, Zion definitely has more pressure because of the way he's been highly touted the last you know, almost a year now. Yeah, and, like, the thing is with Zion, it's like, I mean, we've seen this before, like, the same story with some prospects, like Wiggins and stuff, like, being hailed as, like, the best since LeBron, but I, I don't think I've seen it at its peak, like, that kind of level of hype until Zion came around, you know? Like, the LeBron comparisons, and he invited himself, like, did you see his draft day suit? He did, like, a remix of, like, LeBron's draft day colors, like, all white, everything, you know what I mean? Yeah. And, like, they asked him about it, and he, he didn't, like, back down from that notion he pretty much like nodded his head and said yeah like this is like a title like he's he's so like just by default like would he not have more pressure to live up to just the legacy of like arguably like the second best player of all time you know mm-hmm. so, i mean yeah like i mean the whole point is just the media is just stupid they're really you know, I've, stupid. Seen, I've been seeing a lot of that a lot of that right now recently i think jalen rose might be the only guy right now on all like most of espn who i'm just like all right like i can agree with this guy for the most part. Taylor, no doubt. Taylor, like, yo, that dude, like, to be honest with you, when he kind of just broke out into an analyst, like, years back, I wasn't really feeling him, but just the last couple years, like, and this is setting aside the whole Knicks fandom, like, he's legitimately become, like, an insider, you know, and just, like, a dude you could tell, like, players respect, and, and that that's not even considering just, like, his analysis, which is a lot better than most folks, and he was a dude that just called Kawhi wanting out of San Antonio before any of that drama even popped off, you know? Like, he, he's a legit dude, and he's probably the only one in the mainstream media right now that just is still on the KD to New York train, you know? Yeah. So. And he keeps it real, and, and just first take guys like Stephen A. and Max Kellerman, they're just, like, I saw, I, I've stopped watching them lately just because they're they're spitting bullshit every, every day now. I mean, that's what, the, that's what the name of the game is, bro. It's just disingenuous trolling to get viewers. Like, they just, Max Kellerman is a boxing analyst and he's up there. They got him out there spitting hot takes about basketball, right? They know what they're doing. It, like uh-huh. the whole thing is just to not let it get to you. you know I, I mean? All the, they know they're trolling, bro. You know, they're trolling, <laughs> but that's the thing. You can't get roped up into it, bro. Ironic. Right. Ironically, Jalen Rose's wife is the, the most annoying part of first take. She fine as hell though. <laughs> yeah. Annoying as shit though. Props to Jalen. My man. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I mean, I feel you, like, media stupidity and just rounding back to RJ, like, you know, ain't no pressure on him. And the thing is, even if there is pressure, I think the only pressure just comes with the fact that he's a high, highest-drafted player is his Patrick Ewing, you know what I mean? Yeah. And um, and obviously, he's coming into a situation um, within our situation just easily the most high-upside prospect, you know? Um, and I, I love Mitch, love Dennis, you know that, but, like, just... And that, that in itself is just, like... Pressure is nothing, man. Like, even, like, in the press conference when they asked him about, like, 
just said, oh, do you feel pressure? Yada, yada, yada about playing in New York. RJ laughed out the question. He said, how are you going to ask me that when I haven't even played a game yet? You know? Not worried about, like, first of all, the whole big, bad New York media thing is bullshit. And two, I'm not worried about RJ handling it because I don't know if you've seen all these clips of him, like, doing interviews, press conferences, all that. That dude is mature. Definitely. Uh, like, uh, just a natural charisma about him. You know what I mean? Like, he's, if, like, knock on wood, he becomes a star. But if not, he already got, like, the, the demeanor and disposition of a star already. You I know, love so. It. Yep. It's, yeah, because I, compared to just Knox last year, like, Knox obviously looked like a big old happy kid, you know? Like, sheepishly saying, like, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm happy to be in New York, you know, like a wide-eyed kid that was just happy to be there, right? And, that's no knock on that, but like you can tell RJ is that's a true alpha, like a hundred percent he and alpha alpha male right there. I see that. Yeah, he has a he has a demeanor about him that he's ready to be a, a stone cold killer. Yeah, I mean it even goes back to just Duke like this past season. Like he was like I mean, Zion was like obviously the Messiah, you know, like the chosen one, part two, you know what I mean. But RJ was like the team captain. He was the leader, you know, and just like. There's only so much you could tell from, like, as an outsider, as a fan. But, like, just watching how Zion and RJ just both on the court when they played at Duke and off the court, just how they handle himself. It's just like, it seems like RJ is the alpha of that duo, you know what I mean? So personality-wise, that's that's not speaking of basketball skill because we already know Zion's special, like, super special. But I think RJ just, in terms of, like, stepping in, being our franchise piece moving forward and the foundation – the young foundation, you know what I mean? Like, I, I ain't worried about that kid cracking under pressure, bro. He's he been bred and raised for all this. Yep. Did I you just, know Steve Nash is his godfather? I, I know you it. did, but I'm just repeating it because, <laughs> like, uh, <laughs> look at the pedigree, bro. His dad played pro ball, and his dad played for St. John's. His mom paid, like, paid for St. John's. I think he played for St. John's, I think. Um, like, he just grew up around this. And he, like, I saw an interview when he said, him and his dad had a checklist of accomplishments, and this is just another one off the list. Is getting drafted into the NBA top five pick, you know. So I ain't worried about RJ, man. Ain't no, ain't no pressure on him. Our little Maple Mamba, but you know, while you're talking about history, we gotta talk about our second round pick, Iggy, uh, Iggy, uh, Brasdikas, Brasdikas, Iggy Buckets, Iggy, Iggy buckets. buckets. You called it you from got then, it. <laughs> from then on and now, <laughs> from now and forward, like. <laughs> Oh man, we we the Knicks always got to get a white man to shoot the ball, you know. Like we got Steve Novak, we got Kuzminskis for a while. Now we got Iggy Bucket. I I like that. I like that. I fuck with that. Yo, we gotta make it stick. Uh, just <laughs> this young kid just gotta <laughs> follow through. <laughs> <laughs> you you just came yeah, up with yeah. that? I mean, I just kind of ripped off Jimmy Butler's nickname, uh, Jimmy, Jimmy Bucket. So, yeah. 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 it, it still works. It still works. But anyway, uh, Iggy, uh, what's called Miggy, um. Also a Canadian lefty, just like RJ, uh, came out from UMich, and he played with RJ Barrett back in the day while they were youngsters on some Canadian team. And this kid has all like when it comes to demeanor, I love his demeanor. Every shot, if you look at his highlights, because I I didn't know the guy until he got drafted to the Knicks. Every shot that he makes, he's always he's always celebrating. Like when he makes Yo. a three, he always got three, three to the dome, and he's like he's ready for it. It's every basket. Kind of reminds me of his own year for a second there. Yeah, it was the same comparison I was gonna make, and I was just about to say he's like a remix of all the white dudes we've had because he's just like he's he's more of a shit talker than any white dude we had. You know what I mean? Like I know Novak had the fucking little belt celebration, the discount double check, but this man will probably like hang his nuts on somebody's forehead. <laughs> <laughs> 
Like Ig- Iggy <laughs> is just, yo, know, what's not to like? He shoots mad threes and talks mad shit. That's he good in my book. <laughs> <laughs> For a second rounder, I'll take it. I'll take it. Um, I think I think they saw Toronto winning. And they're just like, all right, we we gotta give the Canadians a chance now. But like he he can score buckets, and the Knicks ranked thirtieth in offense in the entire NBA. So you know, kudos again to Scott Pay for making the right move and going with going with the score. He can shoot threes, but he can also drive in. He can score the basket. That's what he's good for. Not so much defense, but the Knicks weren't that great. I believe they're twenty seventh in the NBA, but. They did have a bigger problem with offense this past season, even though they both were yeah. pretty whack in both. And then like to your to your point though, I mean, before this draft, what was that one knockdown shooter? Like Dotson, I guess. That's about it, right? Maybe Knox if he like really became consistent this season. Cause he had some good moments. Like so it it was important as shit for for us to like load up on shooters this summer. I'm um, just like independent or whatever happens at free agency. You gotta get shooting because that's what the NBA is about. But like you bring free agency into the picture if you're going to bring in like a top tier star a high usage kind of guy you need to surround him with shooters right so i mean to that point like i think i sent you this tweet it was from uh, espn stats the top three spot up scorers in the draft the knicks got all of them number one was a iggy number two was rj and number three was the undrafted kid we signed chris wilkes from uh, ucla that's pretty good like <laughs> yo scott yo scott perry bro Second draft, and then, like, I mean, we, these kids haven't played yet, to be fair. But, I mean, just going off what he did last year, second-round pick on Mitchell Robinson, who, if we did a redraft of 2018, he would he's going top 10 Easy. easily, bro. Easy. Yeah. He's going over Knox, probably. I'm, I'm willing to say that. Um, Knox, I mean, objectively, he had a bad rookie year, aside from a hot December. But he showed, showed signs, you know, flashes. And then Trier is probably the best undrafted player, undrafted rookie we've ever seen. That's no guess. Just look at his numbers. I think he had like a 56% true shooting percentage. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And he was, that's pretty good for a, a scorer, a guy that loves to ISO and shit. Like, and that's, bear in mind to our listeners, a, a, like average true shooting percentage is like, what, 54, 55%? 56% for an undrafted rookie is pretty fucking good. So like, Scott Perry knows what he's doing. I feel like he got an eye for talent. Like, just... All indications are he knocked it out of the park this in this draft too. That may sound like kind of homerish or whatever, but yeah, I don't know, man. I mean, RJ speaks for itself, but this Iggy kid, I think that was a savvy move. We traded up what from fifty-five to forty-seven, and we we threw in like a million dollars in cash. Yep, that's a that's a good ass deal. There's no, you can't hate about that. Can't say nothing bad about that, honestly. Agreed. Um, I'm trying to figure out when the uh, the summer league starts. I think it starts next week. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, already got my calendar marked, bro. I don't know about you. When's the, when's the... On, the, on the fanhood? Yeah. I, I... <laughs> <laughs> what you doing, man? <laughs> All right, to be fair, I was on vacation and now I'm on my laptop. But uh, first game is what July fifth. Yeah, with you. <laughs> July fifth. Yeah, July fifth against uh, Zion. Yep. Let's get it, man. Yo, I mean, one of these days, Nickish podcast gonna be at the summer league. Watch, because, mm-hmm. I mean. I don't think we'll ever have a, hopefully, knock on wood, we don't have a top five pick playing in the summer league anytime soon. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But, shit, man. I, like, I know it's just summer league, but just when you, even just watch from home, the aura is going to be crazy. Zion versus RJ for the first time in their life. You know what I mean? After getting yeah. drafted into the NBA. That's going to be a spectacle, bro. I'm hype. Mad I mean, hype. Zion and, and RJ, the brotherhood, reminds you of another duo, right? 
I think you and I touched up on it, like at least to to each other. They kind of remind me of uh of LeBron D Wade maybe maybe like a new generation version of them. Yeah, and like to that point, like kind I'm kind of glad that like, I mean this is all just speculative, looking at it from a fan like point of view, obviously as I mentioned before, but like it seems like RJ is the alpha, similar to how D Wade was who recruited LeBron to Miami, so. I'm just saying, man. Like Pelicans, if they don't, if they don't like put a good team around Zion in the next four or five years, might be a shame if you came all the way back to Broadway, brought his talents to Broadway. You yeah. Know? Yeah. Wouldn't be a shame for us, but I'm just saying, it would be a goddamn shame if you know yeah. New Orleans Pelicans lost a third franchise player in a row. He's gonna just announce. Saying. He's gonna announce his decision. Uh, just not on TV. It's gonna be on our podcast. You know. That's how he's gonna. It's gonna be on RJ's couch. <laughs> we in there. We're gonna be chilling with that. <laughs> like a live telecast. You see me in the kitchen just whipping up a snack. <laughs> Sounds like yeah, I'm taking my talents to Broadway. <laughs> oh man. But uh, I mean, you got any more draft Knicks-related draft thoughts? Or you kind of want to touch on no, the rest I... of the NBA. Or... Well, we we got to mention the the monster juggernaut of a trade that happened right before the 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 draft. Um, oh yeah, you're right. You're right. We, because there's so many things that that were left as a result of that trade. Yeah, uh, a probably the biggest trade in the last ten years, maybe since Mello. Yo, easily probably like this goes to like what we were talking about all these episodes when we did talk about AD. Like, Zach Lowe is the one who said it, but the more I thought about it, he's absolutely right. This is probably the biggest trade for a star player since Kareem to the Lakers from Milwaukee. You know what I mean? Just given, like, how good of a player AD is, his age, um, the situation, you know what I mean? Like, it's that, it arguably might be the biggest trade since that. You know, that's a big fucking deal. Uh, that's, I don't know if it's bigger than Shaq. Shaq wasn't a trade, though. Wasn't he traded to Miami? Yeah, but that was like an older Shaq, though. You know what I mean? Like AD's twenty six, bro. I mean that's and he's joining LeBron. That was that was that was three peat Shaq though. That's true, but he's still like late thirties. You know what I mean? It's like I feel like the Kareem comparison works just because Kareem was in his prime. You know, and he got traded to the Lakers, and then the rest is history. So I mean, maybe I mean shit, man. AD AD's a Badass motherfucker player. He's like, you talk about Zion being once in a generation. AD was that seven years ago. Yeah. But yeah. But so... I, mean, I mean, yeah, yeah that that's all semantics. You know what I mean? Which like we gotta talk about just the impact of the trade, the the particular details, and just how we think about it, right? So like, you want to kind of lay out sure so, what the trade was. It, like when it comes to, like monstrous trade, like I, th- th- you're right. This 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 is a, it's huge. It it's it. It sent like waves all around the NBA. It changed everything pretty much, because the Pelicans went from a team who was kind of in dead water with their star player who didn't want to be part of their team, and they they were a little embarrassed that they had to play him because they would have been fined by the NBA if they didn't play him, even though he didn't want to be there. And they're trying to find suitors, and they're just they're kind of just stuck in limbo. They got David Griffin, and now after all these months, uh, AD the Brow, you know, arguably top five in the NBA right now, argue uh the best big man in the NBA was traded with the Lakers, who you and I thought was never going to happen just because the owner did not fuck with the Lakers. Um, but basically what happened I mean, was, to be fair, 
we did kind of like relent on that. And I think was it like the episode before the trade drop? We were both kind of thinking he'd go to LA. Yeah, maybe uh, we episode, yeah. we mentioned like you know the Laker not having anything like a few episodes, maybe like you know two months ago. But it was picking up steam as of our last episode. Yes. Um, yeah, we were both just like, yeah, like AD probably might be a Laker. So yeah, we thought... just gotta get the, get that on record. You know, I don't right. want our listeners to take me on credibility. We 100 <laughs> percent thought AD was going to the Lakers. What are you talking about, bro? <laughs> <laughs> because they they really were the team to offer the best package. At the end of the day, David Griffin doesn't give a shit about anything. He his goal and his job is to get the best return for a player if he's going to trade him. So that's exactly what he did. Uh, and he in return for Anthony and just Anthony Davis. Uh, he got Lonzo Ball, the number four pick of this year's draft, uh, which we'll explain later what happened to it. Brandon Ingram, who was dealing with his own blood clot issues, but it looks like he's good to go. Josh Hart and two first round picks, and then and then some. They were in in the next you know five or so years. And a pick swap, yeah. A pick gonna, swap. Yeah, they're gonna be able to do swap. Uh, they're they're gonna be able to swap their picks with the Lakers um, if they have the if they have if the Lakers would have a better pick than them, which is dope. So yeah, and I mean, go ahead. One 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 additional thing is like I think one of those unprotected picks. I think it was Brian Winters had mentioned that like, um, if the Pelicans don't like that un un, un unprotected pick, the the last one wherever it ends up, they could defer it to next year, which I've never seen before in in, in a trade. So I don't either. know. Yeah, so like I don't even know that was possible, but like if Winhor said it, I don't even know if it's confirmed. But I good saw guy. that too. Like, yeah, no, I, I, mean, I believe it's yeah, true. Yeah, keep good. Yeah, it's okay. Yeah, keep going. So, like, explain what happened to number four pick because I think we we covered that was the original package. I think, yeah, like all of it in totality. So currently, before draft day for Anthony Davis, they got one, two, three. They got at least three players, and then they got two two draft picks, and then they were able to swap picks. So currently, four players, and then the better of two players for for two other seasons. So I believe that's that's what it was, and then draft day. Uh, well, while you and I were worried that the Pelicans might trade the number four and like a future pick for the number two pick, what they did instead was that they traded um, with the Hawks. And what happened was that they got the number four pick and turned it into three more picks, 8, 17, and 35. And they got um, a future pick from it. That, yeah, the the future pick being a Cleveland, I think. So that's, that's a big fucking deal because I think I have Cleveland pick. Um, Atlanta had it from the Kyle Corver trade from like three, four years ago. Mm-hmm. So that's only top ten protected next year. And you saw how crazy the lottery like got this year, right? So like even if Cleveland has like a like a mediocre season mm-hmm. and that pick falls to eleven, that's another piece for David Griffin, bro. Like goddamn. <laughs> they cleaned up on this trade, you know? Absolutely. Like, they did I don't think they could have gotten anything better than this, honestly. They did they completely wiped cleaned out LA right now except for getting not getting Kyle Kuzma who I still believe is one of the most overrated players in the NBA I don't I don't really give a shit about Kuzma um so he's a taller light-skinned J.R. Smith I said it that's my hot take (laughs) honestly that's what it is he's he's streaky like people say he's like a shooter a scorer he shoots 30 percent from three bro off of easy looks from LeBron for most of the year is that impressive and he's like what 24 already like Devin Booker is not even twenty three yet. He's been in the league five years, three years longer than Kuzma. He went from an underrated guy to an overrated guy just because he was a second round pick, and then he just looked better than a second rounder. But then it just they just kept yeah, mentioning him for the AD trade, yeah. and they just thought it was a big deal that LA was able to keep him. But honestly, it doesn't 
it doesn't matter at all that they got to keep him. Exactly. It's just like the perception of it. Just because yeah, you had Lake, dumbass Lakers fans like online and in real life just saying like, oh, he was their best young player. Like, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> he came into the league like, was it a year after Ingram did? But he's like three years older than him. Ingram, I feel like Ingram was like their most high upside prospect and he's, he's on Pelicans now. So, but And that's, now the that's beautiful the thing. The beautiful thing for the Pelicans that now without Anthony Davis, what's going to happen is Lonzo's going to be throwing up lobs to Zion, and we all know how good Lonzo is at throwing up lobs. He's, at, he's really good at it, and it's going to be fucking sick to see. I, I can't wait to, to watch them play. Yeah, and you already know Alvin Gentry don't give any fuck about defense. They're going to be running up and down the court, so it's just going to be the Zion and the young kid show. Um, the, and then, like, yo, so the, the number four pick, they traded for 8 and 17, I think was, you said, right, in this year's draft? And 8, 17, eighth pick, 35, yep. So with the eighth pick, they took uh, Nigel Hayes. So um, obviously we're not draft gurus, but just, like, in the preliminary research that I was able to do just before, like, a week or two before the draft, just watching some clips, reading here and there. Hayes seems like a good pickup, just, like, from every scouting report I've seen, he seems like a, like, he fits like that Clint Capella mode, like a lob threat, rim runner, athletic, uh, block shots, and all that. So that's a good fit next to Zion at the four. You know what I mean? Like David Griffin knows what he's doing. Who knew? Who fucking knew? Wow. Yeah. He... Who did they pick with seventeen? Uh, I don't know if you get that knows? info. No nah, man. After after like ten, after like Cam Reddish's draft, I I stopped really looking. I don't think. Like, Bobo was drafted way later, and Nazir Little. Like, I was paying attention to those guys, and then that's pretty much it. I'm not sure um, who they picked up 17th, but I can find out in a second. Nickel, Nikhil, Alexander Walker. Oh, this kid, yeah, 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 I know who he is. Okay, he played at VTech, so I've seen a couple of his games. He's like a combo guard, shooter. Um, I can't really give you, like, a like a good app comparison for him, but... um. If he's a shooter, I mean, you got Zion. It seems like a smart thing to do is surround your highly prized prospect with shooting, right? So, who knows if he if he turns into a bum or not? But like, I, I like the thought process behind that. You know, you yeah. got Drew, you got Lonzo, so you, you pick up like a I like maybe a potential six man with your seventeen pick. That's not bad, you know. And they got so many more picks coming. Like New Orleans is sitting pretty, man. I mean, they got really no excuse not to be able to build around Zion in the next coming years. I think that's just a fact in the matter, right? Got to give kudos to Griffin, man. He he fucking killed it on that trade. Yeah, I mean, I mean, the question like comes up, I guess. Do you think the Lakers gave up too much, or do you think that was like fair value? What do you think? I think it was fair value. Well, I don't know about the swapping picks. I don't think that was necessary. Um, the future picks, I understand. All the guys that they traded, I understand. I don't know about the swapping. I think they, they I think Griffin kinda just got them to do that at the very last minute. That's that's just my personal take. But I think Yeah, like fuck it, why not? Just like, hey, throw me a swap. And like <laughs> Tolink is probably just like jittering and shaking on the phone. Like, yeah, sure, sure, sure. Swap, <laughs> whatever. Just, just give me A D. <laughs> but as far as it goes, right. it was it was an, it was a it was a it was a necessary trade on both sides. They they couldn't waste LeBron's prime. Um, so they had to get Anthony Davis, and they have to, and and the uh, Pelicans had to get as many players as they could for Anthony Davis. So I think both sides, at least for now, before any games really happen, are are both winners on this case. Um, mm-hmm. 
we're Definitely. just gonna we're just gonna have to see how free agency plays out because it really matters on whether or not Anthony Davis is gonna use his trade bonus of four million dollars because if he does, then uh, the Lakers can't really try, uh, sign a, a player on a max deal. And then I'm sure there's some more ins and outs of it. I'm not quite sure on all of all all of it, but all I know is that with that with that trade, it's really gonna hinder their ability to sign a max player. And let's be honest, I feel like the Pelicans won before they even made this trade. They won as soon as they won the lottery, bro. Like, whatever they got yeah. from this trade was just gravy, honestly. Like, they just had to not fuck this trade up. And, like, kudos to, like, Griffin. He knew Lakers were operating out of urgency and desperation. Because, like, like you said, they're they're about to, they're not about to waste another year of, like, the end of LeBron's prime. He's already 35, right? Or he about to turn 35 this year. So, yeah. clock was ticking, you know, a lot of mileage on those knees. He only has three more years and on his LA, not even three more years, two more years because he has an opt out, but he has an option on his fourth year. So, clock was ticking, so they had to get this done. But that was a good ass deal, bro. And like, my, oh yeah, my point was just you think of all the superstar trades we've seen in the last couple of years. It's going back maybe 2017. Like, this is the one trade where I feel like okay, they got actual fair value for their like superstar guy. You know, like. Tell me not like all the trades we've seen recently, like the Kyrie trade, the Paul George, Kawhi, Jimmy Butler trade. Once, once the deal, like once those deals got completed, we were just supposed to like, yo, is that it? Like, that's all. That's yep. all you could get for that good of a player. Um, maybe not the Kyrie trade because they got that Brooklyn pick, you know. But and even that get, only turned into Colin Sexton. You know what I mean, they did get it after a hot season. Um, and it after hip surgery though, after, you know. I that's mean, true. that was meant right. a lot though. Yeah. It was mostly about the pick, but even then, like Griffin got an elite pick on top of some young prospects and more picks after that. You know what I mean? So, kudos to Griff, man. That's it can't be said enough. Like you rarely see superstar trades bring fair value, and and to be honest, like AD's like a top five player, so there's really no such thing as fair value for a top five player. But if there's something that could get close to that definition, it's this trade, I think. Yeah. And it's typically the team that gets the superstar that that ultimately wins down the road but uh, only only time will tell i just hope ad could stay healthy this season you know knock on wood um but we do have to mention the other trade that happened um this this past week or two and that is a trade of michael conley of the memphis Gri- former, former memphis grizzlies love that deal for utah bro they so, they really needed an upgrade on point guard um, i love rubio it's his passing and defense but you could get that straight from Conley, but you get, like, elite shooting as well. And, like, that's just another scorer to complement Mitchell. Um, he's a veteran presence that could kind of rein Mitchell in when he's, like, taking his dumbass shots every now and then. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, my biggest thing with Utah is, just, like, that top five, that not that top five, that starting five just looks really, really complete. You know what I mean? Like, they all complement each other well. Um, my, my biggest thing would probably just be trying to upgrade on favors, but he's a solid big man, big man nonetheless. But what's your take on the deal? Well, let's let's say let's break it down a little bit. So Utah traded Jay Crowder, Kyle Korver, Grayson Allen, that piece of shit, uh, the number twenty three pick from the Ted past. Cruz face. <laughs> huh? I said Ted Cruz face, yeah, young right. Ted Cruz <laughs> in the face. Yeah. Uh, and the number twenty three pick from last week's draft and a protective future first round pick. Um, for Mike Conley, so I 100% agree. I think, I think Utah was pretty much able to complete their team, for the most part. I think they still need some some role players to add in because they kind of gave up their whole 
Uh, well, they can't. They kind of go two of their main role players from last season, if you include Kyle Korver as one. But Jay Crowder was a pretty big piece from their playoff run or their playoff games um, this past season. So I think they they might be like a small piece or two away from really being even title contenders. But I think I think definitely they'll be a, a top four team this this next season, upcoming season, because Mike Conley can do it all, and he's so underrated. And he really deserves. He's so that. damn good, bro. He's he so really deserves good, that that all star nod, and hopefully he'll get it this next season when he plays for a legitimately good team with a great head coach. Yeah, but I mean, he he was like at the front of, at the forefront of like some good ass Grizzlies team. They could have sniffed the all star game just because of how deep like the West is with guards. But even still, like my biggest thing about those that trade, just like looking at the pieces, like Corver is washed. Like he's like 40, 42 years old, I guess. Maybe. That's not even an exaggeration. He might actually be that old. Um, Crowder, like, you're right. He was kind of a key piece, but he was also kind of inconsistent. I saw some uh, Utah, not Utah. Was it Utah? Yeah, Utah Jazz writers that were just like, his lineup, like, the, the best lineups that Utah put out there didn't have Crowder in them. You know what I mean? So, I think they gave up a whole lot of nothing for a good-ass point guard and an upgrade. Mm-hmm. I think the biggest thing they probably gave up is just like, was it a future first-round pick? Which, I mean, if this trade goes as well as they hope it does, as as well as, you know, I think it would go, that trade, that pick won't really amount to nothing special. But, yeah, I mean, Utah's going for it, bro. Like, you see the Warriors are in shambles. Um, Houston, it looks like they're on the verge of just hitting detonate on their whole core, aside from Harden. So, like, aside from the Lakers, who, like, who in the West do you think, honestly, is going to stack up with Utah, like, on paper, at least? Maybe the Pelicans. You said the Pelicans? <laughs> Who knows? Who knows? Um, nah, come on, bro. Let's not get right around ourselves. Let's not do that now. Uh, I know. I'm just kidding. Uh, the, the Nuggets. <laughs> you can never forget about the Nuggets. They did not do. So, oh, right, they they right. did fairly well in the playoffs, and they're still so young and so talented, and they're really ready to keep it keep it going. They're going to get, who knows, maybe Michael Porter Jr. is could be a rookie of the year candidate this next this upcoming season if his back like really holds up this season. Uh, Portland. Uh, they drafted Nazir Little, who is great. Um, they traded Evan Turner away for Kent Bazemore. I think I believe Kent Bazemore is a better player than Turner. He's able to do a little bit more. They're kind of they're kind of a little bit of the same. Um, and you know they did fairly well this past season and even the postseason, aside from their running with the Warriors. I mean, aside from Denver, I mean, I'm not really sweating Portland. I guess that's just a habit of mine every year. I'm not really feeling important in Portland, and this is probably the one year since Dame got drafted where that didn't work out. Kudos to them, like I said on the last episode, for that Western Conference run, Western Conference Finals run, I mean. But I don't know, man. I think Utah is just – their biggest thing for, like, a, like the last couple of years, especially the last two years since, like, Mitchell kind of took off, they didn't have, like, the offense to kind of match their elite defense. And with Conley, you're getting that defense – and you're all, and you're just upgrading the offense instantaneously because he's such a good shooter. Um, his spot up numbers, I think, are like damn near elite. Spot up threes, um, off the catch threes, all that. It's just such a good ass fit. I, I'm, I'm really on Utah. Like, yeah. I'm gonna keep it real with you. They got Only... stability, great coach, um, young player on the rise. Because, I mean, a lot of people, I mean, probably especially our listeners that aren't really as familiar with the NBA, like star players or like highly touted young players they usually take a jump in their third year 
that's why the I guess the frame of mind or motto with looking back on drafts is just like you can't really judge it until like three years after the fact, you know. You can just tell looking at all these all star players and superstars, that third, fourth year jump is real. Like that's when they kinda of go up a level. So I wouldn't be surprised if Mitchell does the same, you know. So he kinda of levels up this year and reaches like a like a top tier kind of status, you know? Yep. I can see that. Especially with Conley there, it'll help a lot. Probably the biggest beneficiary of that team would be Rudy Gobert. Uh, recently, yesterday named the Defensive Player of the Year uh, for, for the second time. Conley's really good at picking roles. He had that he had that, all that experience with Zach Randolph, all that experience with Marcus Gasol. Rudy Gobert is going to really have an excellent season next season. He's already elite on defense. He's going to be catching lobs. He's going to be getting – he's going to be fed on the pick and roll. Conley's really going to hook it up for him. So we're going to – I feel like we're going to see – Gobert evolved this this upcoming season too. I don't know if this is financially feasible, but I mean, Tobias Harris would be looking like a nice fit on there, bro. In that stretch four position, you got Conley, Mitchell, Joe Ingles, Tobias, and Gobert. I uh, like it. Like, I have no I don't idea. Think financially, I have no I idea what it is, that. but I don't see them being able to afford that just because Conley has a monster contract, and so does Gobert has a pretty big contract himself. Yeah, I mean. I saw they have an option on Favors' contract, so if they wanted to, I think they could make it happen. Mm. I think I saw later in the season, like, Utah and Tobias would have mutual interest. So, I mean, I would have counted out. You never know what, what, how shit happens in the summer, but I'm just saying that'd be a good, good-ass fit, bro. That'd agree. be a beautiful fit. Like, you got your top three options right there, like, Mitch, Tobias, um, and Conley. With a Gobert as a cleanup man, and Ingles is doing Joe Ingles things, you know. So let me let me ask you this: um, while we're while we're talking about the West, with the Anthony Davis trade, are the Lakers already title contenders? I don't even know who the rest of their team is going to be now that all those guys are up. But just with the the best player in the world and the best big man in the world, you just said it, bro. Let's not overthink it, brother. They got LeBron, fucking James, and Anthony Davis. Like at this point. If it's to be seen, if they could get a third max guy, third star, because um, it's apparently it's really unclear how much cap space they'll actually have this summer, uh, and then that's apparently because Rob Palenka, the Lakers GM, did not consider that at all when he was making this deal, <laughs> which lets you know how fucking fucking desperate they were. I'm telling you, that boy was doing like the crackhead itch on the phone while he was, not, while he was talking to Griffin. <laughs> it's like scratching the back of his neck with his wrist or whatever the fuck. It's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> Cap space, yeah. So it's like, when's he flying in? When's David's coming? But, yeah, I mean, I, like to your question, hell yeah. Like with the Warriors, it's pretty much decimated. KD either is out for the year while he's with them or he's gone completely, right? Clay is probably going to be out to like midseason. If at all, you know what I mean? Iggy's washed. So this is going to be like Steph and Dre and whatever veterans they could fill out the bench with. I don't think Warriors are a threat. Houston is a wild card, but... Well, all right, continue. Yeah, Houston's a wild card, but like, I think the Lakers are the favorites in the West, you know? But what was you about to say? You was about to... Ooh, boy, I can tell. <laughs> he was about to no, no, uh, no, no, not like that. I would, I, you can't, you can't disrespect the Warriors like that and say they're not a threat. I know, I know. Kevin Durant's out. Clay Thompson is, is a big deal. I, I feel like even without Kevin Durant, if Clay Thompson were healthy, they would still be. They are absolutely title contenders, no doubt about that. I think I'm not saying they're not a complete threat. I'm, not, I'm just saying they're not a threat to a championship this season, bro. That's the. I don't think that's even just complete disrespect. Like they're, they're in pieces right now, bro. 
Like, it's just Steph and Dre, basically. I think now they'll be able to have more money to sign more, but like to sign better reserves or role players. And but the system is still there. They still have the best shooter of all time on their team. And no doubt, no doubt. If Clay's back in time, you know, around February, March, they'll they. I feel like they'll have sufficient amount of players and capable players to bring them to the playoffs. Once Clay comes back, then you know that they're definitely capable of going to making a deep playoff run. They're the Warriors. Yeah, right? I mean. Yeah, I mean, yeah, like the last five years taught us, you can't count them motherfuckers out. Like, and, I mean, I'm, I've been part, I'm not, I've never been part of that that faction of people that've been hating on the Warriors for the last five years. So that's not even, I'm offended at the thought that you think I would respect <laughs> them, bro. No. Like, I love Steph, honestly, but it's just, I'm, you just gotta call a spade a spade, bro. Like, Lakers just look like a fucking monster in the making. Just like if they don't do nothing else except add vet minimum piece, vet minimum pieces for the summer. And maybe like the mid level on some nice mid level kind of veteran kind of guys. Like they bring back Reggie Bullock, KCP, or whoever the fuck. I'm still like I'm still gonna consider them championship favorites just off the fact they got Anthony Davis and LeBron, bro. Like when it comes down to it, stars are what like drive championship teams. You know what I mean? And they got the two of the top five. Easy. I think you know, this is a this is a discussion for another day, but I think A D might be the best teammate LeBron's had. Arguably 2011 Wade, 2010 Wade, but AD's younger than Wade was and doesn't have the same, like, injury concerns that Wade did. You know what I mean? Towards the end of that Miami run. Just something to think about. I think he might be the best teammate LeBron's ever had, to be real with you. Something to think about. Something to think about for sure. Kyrie was very clutch that one season. He played amazing that one that one season. But, no. Kyrie, Kyrie's never been AD, though. You're right. But we'll see. We'll see. Time will tell. I don't know. I don't know about the D Wade part. I think D Wade was still when he signed. D Wade was a top three player. Uh, back yeah, easily. Yeah, yeah. That, that's why I say him arguably 2010 yeah. D Wade. But even still, bro, AD's like a monster on defense. Goddamn beast offensively. And you seen videos of him? He's been working on his handle this summer. So like, if he could level up even further, you know what I mean? Just be like a point center, even a little bit. It's like, goddamn, bro. It's fucking monster. Goddamn, Lakers. It's like, they're getting clowned for two years straight, and they somehow still end up with LeBron and Anthony Davis. Back-to-back like, years. All right. <laughs> All right, so we, we got to move on. We got to talk about the upcoming free agency. Next time we do a podcast, at that point we might find out at least where some of the major stars are going. Um, possibly. Uh, we might we might record on June thirtieth. Well, we shall see. Uh, the free agency starts midnight or eleven p.m. I believe June thirtieth. Correct me if I'm wrong. Is it eleven p.m. or is it is it midnight? No, no, no. They push it up for uh, so it's even spicier. It's six p.m., bro. Six p.m. Thank you. Six p.m. June thirtieth. We're gonna start with free agency. So some news came out today that Kevin Durant and Kawhi Leonard, uh. They're the first team that they'll be meeting is our very own Knicks. So, how do you feel about that? You sure it's not the Nets, bro? I've been told the Nets are a big deal. Who? For the last, for the last two weeks, all I've heard is, yeah, the Nets, they're the ones that get KD. They're the ones that get Kyrie. And I'm not completely laughing it off, but it just, it just like, first <laughs> of all, I'm, I'm not a reporter. I'm not a journalist. But just, just the sudden kind of change in narrative out of nowhere the Nets being the favorite for both these guys when like the entire year it's just been Knicks connected to KD and Kyrie 
We had Stephen A. just a month ago saying 95% chance to come in. It just it just really takes me back to the LeBron Lakers comparison. I've been using it on this podcast for a while now. Just the narrative buildup is just eerily similar, bro. All last year we heard, yo, LeBron, not like oh, LeBron's gone to LA, you know? Just he's, he's, he's desperate for LA once he leaves Cleveland, right? Free agency this time last year comes around. We're like, oh, Philly's picking up steam. He might just go to Philly instead to play with the, the younger version of himself and Ben Simmons and Embiid because of the clutch connection, all of that shit, right? You know? And then, like, even Houston came up as a possibility. But then, like, what happened? He still went to the Lakers, as everybody predicted from, like, the summer before, right? Yep. So, I don't know. I, like, there's conspiracy theorists in me, especially with basketball conspiracy theory. Is <laughs> basically that, like, these motherfuckers just behind back channels have been leaking, like, this Nets you know, interest, yada, 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 to kind of take away from, like, the predetermined fact that they were to to us, you know what I mean? Kind of, like, waver off tampering charges or to just, like, build intrigue for their decision. Because at the end of the day, free agency, like, the whole announcing where you're going, like, LeBron's the one that pioneered all this, but this, it's, like, it's free publicity, bro. You know what I mean? Like, these players savor that shit, just the opportunity to, like, take over social media with like deciding where they want to go play and shit right yeah so I, I don't know that's just me being a conspiracy theorist for all i know like this there's, there's mad legitimacy to the Kyrie to brooklyn thing which seems there is because i don't know if you saw today espn put on an article they had their panel of experts every basketball writer they have on staff kind of gave their predictions 93 percent of them think Kyrie is brooklyn bound you know which still just seems so sus to me, but at this point, I can't doubt it. It seems like Kyrie's going to Brooklyn, and um, from what it seems, KD um, is the piece that Brooklyn wants to bring with Kyrie. And I don't know. I mean, what do you make of all this, bro? But it's, see, it seems all over the place. It really is all over the place. Like It's it's getting a little hard to keep track of sometimes. Uh, I, I hear you on the whole tampering charge thing. I hope that's what it is. I don't believe Kevin Durant, knock on wood, would go to the Brooklyn Nets. To be honest, why would you leave a world class organization like the Warriors to come to? I'm gonna I'm gonna quote Jalen Rose pretty much. Why would you Why would you leave the Warriors, uh, who's made it to the finals uh, like four out of the last five seasons, to go to the B team in New York? Even if that B team was this past season better than the A team, yes, fine, they were. But why would you Why would you leave them to go to Brooklyn Nets? It doesn't It doesn't make much sense. Um, Kyrie going to the Nets, it would sting a little, but truth be told, I wouldn't mind it so much just because he's been getting really fucking annoying to me, uh, with all the, like, he, he just keeps changing but his that's mind. Also probably, <laughs> what? That's also probably why it makes sense. That also probably why it just makes sense is because, like, Kyrie's a fucking weirdo. So he seems like a weirdo type to just go to Brooklyn. He's like, yes, I'll do it. I'll resurrect this franchise <laughs> that nobody cares about. And, and, like, but... Like, he just let, like he's gonna go to a rebuilding team to be their leader, and I even though he was traded to the Celtics, he didn't really choose them. Um, he the Celtics were in a way better position than he was, and he wasn't able to successfully be the alpha dog on a on a team like that. And I don't know why he would expect to be the alpha dog in Brooklyn and be able to successfully do it. Now it is important on where Kevin Durant goes, and I understand Kyrie wants to bring Kevin Durant now. Do you think that Brooklyn would sign Kyrie before KD makes a decision? Or do you think that they'll want to, or do you think, I mean, I feel like they might do it just because it's Kyrie Irving and they'll hope that with Kyrie signing with them that KD will, will just decide to come to Brooklyn. 
Um, I go back to like that newest New York Post article that I sent to you. I think it was like a, a week or two ago. So a New York Post reporter, I think his name was Brian Lewis, was saying that the Nets are having like an internal debate about whether to pursue Kyrie because they're not sure they can get a commitment from KD. So the Nets internally are debating whether uh, it's worth it to even bring Kyrie in if there's going to be no KD. Like, would they be better off if they stuck with D'Lo? And brought in another complimentary piece, maybe like Tobias Harris with D'Lo. You know what I mean? So that's like a that's apparently like a debate that's going on within the Nets organization. So, um, so was your question was that what do I think Brooklyn has a chance to bring KD in or? I I don't even know what the question was to be honest. Like it's just <laughs> I rusty, I bro, you just came off vacation. So good. <laughs> I don't I I don't believe there's any much actual like substance to KD going if I were the Nets honestly I would try to sign Kyrie no matter what and then maybe try to sign a secondary player like Jimmy Butler Tobias Harris and be like the 1A if, if it's Jimmy Butler it'd be 1A 1B if it's Tobias Harris then A and B because just because they were a playoff team they did have a pretty solid group of guys and Kyrie is better than D'Angelo Russell um I would I would do that definitely if I were the Brooklyn Nets. I don't. I don't think it should matter whether or not KD signs or is willing to sign with Brooklyn. If I were them, I would. I would go for that. I mean, just this, this whole Kyrie to Brooklyn thing is just mad confusing. Like uh, you saw Woj the other day was just like Kyrie admires the infrastructure, the culture of the Nets. So dumb. I'm just like, didn't you just leave? Like the holy Brad Stevens, the one that's been anointed as like the next pop. Exactly. You know what I mean? Did, like, didn't you leave a franchise with 18 banners? Or not 18, 17 banners hanging in the Raptors? You know what I mean? 17 championship banners? Like, I don't know, man. Like, you, you just left, I, a, you left a team that was a few points away from the NBA Finals, not even, like, barely two seasons ago. Yeah, I mean, apparently, the I think uh, NBA reporter Jackie McMullen, who's been based out of Boston for Mad Long. I think she's a Hall of Famer as well. And she's a really good writer. But um, she's been plugged in in Boston for a while, just the Celtics. And he was, she just let it leak recently that Kyrie just didn't like Boston overall. But he doesn't like living in the city, which I understand. Um, he didn't fuck with Brad Stevens, apparently. Um, he grew sour on him, apparently. He grew sour on Danny Ainge. Um, he didn't kind of like fuck with or mesh with anybody in that locker room. So, like, it just might be a Kyrie problem, but I, I kind of want to give him the benefit of the doubt because just go back two years ago, Boston wasn't on his original list. The narrative at the time and the reporting at the time said, like, Boston wasn't on the list. He got traded there. Kyrie said he, Kyrie was going in with open mind and that he wasn't opposed to it, um, just given the fact that, like, I think his dad played for Boston College and his dad worked out for the Celtics, um, wanted to join the Celtics or whatever. So... There was that coming in, and so he gave Boston a fair shake um, and didn't like how it ended up. And it goes back to the playoff run last year when they were driving to the Eastern Conference Finals without him. He didn't even show up to playoff games, bro, to support the team when he could have. You know what I mean? He was out there filming Uncle Drew instead. You know what I mean? Not even supporting his team. Like, that was a red flag right there in itself. But There were multiple red flags. Like, even, even at the beginning of the season, he said – that there was a good chance that he'll re-sign with Boston, you know, back in like October, November, and yeah, <laughs> and then there's sunset if they if they'll have him, like, they'll, being like, they'll have me. <laughs> <laughs> and then on multiple occasions he like shits on his own team publicly, and like 
it he he's, he's he really is such a confusing guy. When you listen to his press conferences, when he talks, he sounds like he's really chill. But like when he when you hear weird shit like that, he says like the you know the Earth is flat and like this right. and that, <laughs> and it's just like he just boggling back and forth between teams and you know Knicks and Boston and now Brooklyn. It's like I don't know what the fuck the guy wants honestly, and like it might it might we might just be better off without him and just not dealing it, with all the headaches with that comes with him. I saw another thing, like a reporter, I can't remember which reporter, but they said that like Kyrie, uh, it was probably Woj himself, he was like, oh, he likes the infrastructure and he likes the fact that they have good role players so that if he, when he misses games, he doesn't have to worry about them losing, right? Yeah, they're in Boston, bro. Like, I the fuck? I don't get that at the, all. They went to the Eastern Conference Finals without you and you just like got sour off of that. So. Who is Woj's source on that? Do we know? Or did he just say it's a league I mean, source? He's... Woj has sources, bro. Like, at this point, you don't even matter. Woj himself could be fucking Doctor Strange, and he sees every fucking possibility. Like, his sources are himself. But <laughs> just that whole situation, like, it's just fucking perplexing. I guess it just boils down to you don't fuck with the city of Boston, the culture there. And, I mean, this is a point I raised to you earlier before we recorded. Like, this is the first time in Kyrie's career in the NBA where he has total 100% ownership over the d- decision that he's making over on his career. You know what I mean? He has 100% control. There's nobody trading him anywhere. There's nobody drafting him. He decides his fate right now, and it's going to say a lot about him, basically. Because I'm, I'm still hoping it's all just like a fucking crazy smokescreen. Like, his people just went hard the last month to leak that it's Brooklyn when, in fact, it's the Knicks. That's what I'm hoping. Because I would still love to see that boy in the Knicks jersey, man. He's nice as fuck. Easily the best, one of the best offensive players in the league. To but, to be yeah. fair, he did request that trade out of Cleveland just because he didn't want to be in LeBron's shadow anymore. Wanted to be his own leader, and he wasn't capable of doing it in Boston. Um, but okay, so I mean, I would like to see him in in New York too, but at the same time, I'm kind of okay with him not just just because he's just. I feel like he's just gonna give both of us like fucking aneurysms every other day. With like different. No, once once he becomes a Nick, his, his shenanigans are gonna be hilarious to me. I'm, I'm gonna just become. I'm just be trolling people. Like, yeah. So what if my point guard says the Earth is made out of cheese? What are you gonna do about it? What the fuck are you gonna do about it? Nothing. <laughs> uh. All right. But, so let's say. So, um. I wanted to go back to go we completely veered off, but like when you first when we first got into free agency, you brought up the the meeting. Uh, we're, we're meeting with Kawhi and KD for a right. safe agency and just our thoughts on it. Um, and then we just kind of went to a Brooklyn Nets tangent. So um, just going back to that, that's a big fucking deal. I mean, it goes to our conversation just earlier about the draft picks not wanting to even work out for us two years ago. Now the two best free agents on the market want to meet with us ASAP, like expeditiously, <laughs> like yeah. right away. Like that's a big deal. Like even if like nothing comes out from it, I think that speaks to just – the culture Perry's brought in, like, goes back to that. Just the last two years, what he's done to clean her up. Because if he, people don't remember, Kevin Durant was a free agent like three years ago, and he would even give us a meeting. You right. know what I mean? I was just about we to, had cap space. I, I was just about to say the same yeah. exact situation as the rookies two, three years ago. Players didn't even want to meet with the Knicks. So, yeah. Lamarcus exactly. Aldridge, I remember that. I don't even think LeBron wanted to meet with us. It's just. Yep. But now, you know, we got meetings with the two, and that's progress. You know what I mean? Like we can't beggars can't be choosers. And at, at, this is progress. This is um, we're cool with that. We're getting meetings and, with the top yeah. two players. Yeah, and like it just like hit me like a light bulb just now. Remember, was it two episodes ago? I mentioned my man Chris Carter, 
And he, he was the one, he was the only one that said the Knicks main plan is Kawhi and KD. Doesn't these two meetings coming first kind of confirm that? Like nobody else had that other than Chris Carter. <laughs> uh, I'm just saying. I don't want to say confirm, but I mean confirm well, like, that it, that's their plan. It confirms yes. our thinking. It, yes. Yeah, it confirms our intention. Like not that we're gonna get both, but that like like Chris Carter was plugged into just the uh, the mindset that the Knicks had going into the summer. It's KD and Kawhi, and then if they can't get Kawhi, then it's whoever KD wants with him, be it Kyrie or Kemba. But I mean, Chris Carter's a, that's he's one one for one right now. Just got to give it to him on that. <laughs> On a side note, I can't imagine how I would pitch to Kawhi Leonard. I don't know what the fuck I'd say to the guy. I mean, shit, man. We got his his uncle's bestie in the room. <laughs> you saw that, right? Brian Windhorst. He just kind of, you know, that was a seven-second clip. He just decided to throw that in there, and then nobody, like, like focused on it. I didn't see anybody kind of bring that up, bring that up. But apparently Steve Mills and Uncle Dennis, the man that's basically been orchestrating Kawhi's career, are go way back. Says when? When the fuck? <laughs> says when? Yo, meeting room. <laughs> That's like, a big detail. They they bring they bring Kawhi Leonard. And he sits down. Scott Perry's like, I. Right. He sits down. And Uncle Dennis fucking gets up, puts up the whole PowerPoint presentation. <laughs> You're not even like fucking. They walk in. Steve Mills and Uncle Dennis is fucking hug and make out with each other. <laughs> just yo. straight up, just like the fucking Eid hugs. You know what I mean? Like three times. Okay, yo, that's <laughs> my each other. That's my uncle too, yo. That's my uncle Dennis too. I mean, you know it's a good thing if, like, you over here just from the hallway, just Kawhi yell out, Uncle Steve, <laughs> how you been, man? <laughs> That's a big detail. Like, I didn't see that get blown up by anybody else. Like, our our president of basketball operations goes way back with Ka- Kawhi Leonard's, like, uncle. And to me, that kind of, going back to my man Chris Carter, he's the only one within the mainstream media that's been singularly, singularly, Okay, this is solely been saying <laughs> that uh, Kawhi would give us the time of day. You know what I mean? And this is more than the time of day. We're at his first meeting, not the Raptors, not the Clippers. I saw the Clippers meeting is like July 2nd or some shit. Yep. That's like in the middle of the week. We getting him fresh Sunday. <laughs> like, <laughs> what the fuck? Like, I don't know, man. I've got high hopes, but at this point, you know, just going in. We're both kind of on the same page. It, it seems like we'd be lucky to just get a rehab in KD, but, you know, fingers crossed, right? Like, so, do you – all right, yeah, let me rewind it back. Yeah, my bad. I just want to kind of flip a question on you. Do you – does this make you more, like, I guess on my side in terms of I believe we got a legit chance as Kawhi, the fact that we're meeting him right away? Oh, absolutely. Or... Yeah, even if it's – like, I, I don't want to say it's over – if I had to give a percentage on it, I'd say, like, 10%. Before it was like five, it was before it was like you know one or two percent, but it, this is like a ten to fifteen percent chance, maybe even maybe even twenty percent, just because it really is a big deal that we're the first team that he's meeting with, and he's also meeting with us the same day that Kevin Durant's meeting with us. So that is that is important. You can't overlook something like that. That's extremely important. Super important, and I mean this goes to a podcast I heard with Windhorse was on. I think it was with. I think it was Windhorse's own podcast, but it was like a couple of days ago. He was just like, nobody knows they did with Kawhi. Like, I don't know if it was, uh, no, it was fucking Bill Simmons or uh, Ryan Rosillo. I don't know if you know who he is, Ryan Rosillo. Um, I don't know pretty, who Ryan is. Oh. Yeah, he's a, he's a good NBA analyst. He has a good podcast. Um, he, yeah, you should give it a listen, but um, he was basically saying, like, with his sources, nobody knows anything about Kawhi. They're like the most shut off circle. In the NBA, there might not even be a circle, is what he was saying. 
Like it might just be a few people in Kawhi's group, a lot smaller than any other NBA superstars entourage, and nobody within the league has any idea what those people are planning or doing or thinking. You know what I mean? It's all basically speculation and going off like hearsay. Um, and that could be the case with a lot of stars, but like he explicitly said, Kawhi's been the toughest guy to just like nail down. You know what I mean? And Bill Simmons echoed the same. He was like, he couldn't hear anything solid about his intentions, which makes me wonder where all this like, you know, Kawhi to the Clippers or Kawhi stay, staying in the Raptors like noise is coming from, you know? I think one person might have just said it back in the day and no one disputed it because no one really knew what to dispute with. They're just like, yeah, he's from California. Yeah, it's a quiet franchise. It makes sense. He plugs right back in. And no one really thought he'd win with Toronto, but he did. Um, but yeah, so... I uh, mean, at this point, it looks like he, he might stay. Like, yeah, you with me on that? I think as hopeful as we are, uh, as good of a signer as it is that we're meeting with him first, like, it seems like he's going to stay in Toronto, at least short term. What do you think? I would bet money that he would, just because he he just won a title as the main man. Now, it is it is pretty important. I, I believe you mentioned it to me, that they don't really have a future, uh, the Toronto Raptors. Like, they don't have that many future players. Uh, Marcus All today just opted into his $25 million contract. Uh, Kyle Lowry. That's a lot of moolah, bro. It's God a lot man. of money. <laughs> Kyle Lowry's only getting older. They only have Pascal Siakam and Van Vliet. Um, and OG. I forgot to mention him when I brought it up. Yes. Yeah, who, who was. I'll give him a break because he was hurt this season, but I'm still high on him as a 3 and D kind of guy moving forward. Maybe something better, but those are nice pieces. But, like, as good as Pascal played in the playoffs this year, I mean, does Kawhi see him as, like, uh, this is my wingman for the next five years um i think if anything maybe he's like you said short-term deal and he runs it back and you know tries to see if they could rekindle that championship magic again right um, but i still wouldn't be shocked if he went west um because do you remember last year when like after the lebron free agency news broke woe added on um that of all sources indicated that Kawhi's mindset has not changed he wants to be a laker so where the fuck has that been for the last year? Now it's suddenly like Clippers, you know? If I... Supposedly his circle is closed, so where is it coming from? This is crazy, no bro. So, all right, so we, we do have to move on a little bit. We, we're, we've gone like an hour and ten right now, so... Um, we're feeding the streets, man. Fresh <laughs> off vacation. So let's say we strike out on the 5Ks. Again, that is KD, Kyrie, Kawhi, Clay, and Kemba Walker. Who else are we down to get? Um, there's been a lot of speculation that the Knicks are interested in D'Angelo Russell, especially because Brooklyn's looking at Kyrie, and that would mean that, that Russell wouldn't have a team to be in uh, a part of. Some some guys in the Knicks community believe that he is worthy of a max, or at least close to a max, just because he's a young player and he was an all-star his past season, given he did get that position as a result of Not Joe Depot's injury. So. Not in my community, brother. Got to say that. <laughs> um, uh, <laughs> so, you know, what, what do you think of D'Angelo Russell and then and then Julius Randle? Because me personally, I'm not I'm not really trying to get Russell just because he's he's going to command too much money. If he if he was down to take like you know 16, 17 mil, which is not going to happen, I would consider it. Randle, um, I think would be a pretty good fit just because he he's a big man who can improve a bit defensively and he's getting a jumper and we know that David Fizzell has a talent for improving big man's three-point shot we saw it with Chris Bosh we saw it with Marcus All. he can definitely do it for Julius Randle if he were to be a part of the Knicks what do you think 
Um, well, to the Russell point, I think it was Ian Bagley, who's with SNY now. Um, he's probably the best Knicks uh, beat reporter we got. I don't think we mentioned that enough, just given how many shitheads there are in the New York media, but he's one of the good ones. Um, he reported that uh, the Knicks aren't too keen on going after D'Angelo Russell because if it, if the worst-case scenario happens and they don't get any of the big fish, they're more so focused on short-term answers. And that just goes with the understanding that they don't, they don't think that, uh, you know, D'Angelo would take short-term money, you know? And rightfully, like, I'm not high on him, but, like, rightfully so. The market he's going to demand, uh, just given his age and just given the fact that he came off a quote-unquote all-star season, you know, he's not going to take anything less than their max. Um, and especially just given he's restricted, because I know the Nets can probably renounce him if, if and when they sign Kyrie. But I don't think I'd want like, – like you said, I want to pay D'Angelo that much money. And just overall, on, as, on him as a player, I'm not that high on him, really. Um, he's not a good finisher. Uh, I think last year he only averaged three free throws a game. Um, Skip Bayless, of all people, mentioned that this this past season, D'Angelo had the third highest usage rate, usage rate behind Harden and Westbrook. So compare his numbers to them and then tell me he's worth 27 mil this season, bro. And I know he's probably going to be paid like for what he can be moving forward. That's usually how it is with young players. But I don't think he's ever going to live up to that contract because he'd have to be an elite point guard, and I just don't see it. Like I said, he's not a good finisher. Um, this year he became kind of passable on defense, I guess, but he's kind of a, still a negative on there. Um, he's not athletic. He's not explosive. Um, he kind of just relies on a jump shot and like mid-range floaters and – Zach, Zach Lowe wrote a really good article on the, the Nets conundrum with Kyrie versus D'Angelo. And his biggest thing was, like, D'Angelo, his scoring went up the season, but it was kind of unsustainable because he was shooting at an almost elite mark from mid-range. And elite as in, like, up there with the best shooters in the game. So you're kind of counting on this young player building his game on top of probably the least efficient shot in the game. You know what I mean? Yep. The mid-range jumper, mid-range floater area. Um, he shot like what 37% from three. That's not bad. That's actually like good. And I know he was the number one option, quote unquote, once Karis LeVert went down. But I feel like that Nets run was more of a collective effort. And yeah, D'Angelo was like the flashy name that started at point guard for him. But I just don't see him as like the kind of like, let me put it this way I'd, would you rather D'Angelo Russell at 27 mil and an escalating value for the next four years afterwards? Or would you rather take a chance on Dennis Smith taking a jump in his third year, as most point guards do? Yeah, you know what I mean. Definitely Dennis. It's like it's like yeah, opportunity cost basically, you know. And that's not saying I'm thinking D'Angelo is like a bum or like a scrub, but I just don't think he's gonna be like that peak level of point guard to justify his contract. You know, I'd rather just roll the dice on Dennis um, and maybe a vet point guard if we don't get Kyrie or Kemba. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. That's just my two cents, but. I mean, we kind of are on the same page with D'Angelo. I don't know if that's going, if that's me not seeing it correctly, but is that how it is? We no, both I agree. On the same page? I agree. I don't think he deserves that money. That's that's yeah. that's mostly what it is. Again, if he were to take like a pre fairly significant pay cut, I would be down to give him a chance. But again, we we already have Dennis Smith Jr., so I don't think it's it's like a necessary expense right now. Like we could probably yeah, and we'll, we'll probably find like. 10 players are just like him in the next two years minimum 
Yeah, and I mean, I guess we could just move on to Julius. Um, I've got I've got thoughts on that, obviously. But uh, what, what's your take on uh? So apparently, there's mutual interest between us. That's the context. Um, the context is also just the additional context is we're not trying to give like big money to the non-elite players or the non-elite free agents. So I don't know how that would work with our interest in Randall, supposedly. But uh, what's your take on Randall, like as a player, and just possibly us bringing in him, bringing him in? I mean, I think as a player, he's he's pretty good. He kind of still has those crocodile arms, but he's still fairly good uh, at rebounding. But again, defensively, he he can, he can and should improve. Uh, he did add in that three point shot, like I mentioned earlier. And again, I think David Fizza would be the best guy right now to really improve that shot. He he scored fairly fairly well from the three point. I think he scored like thirty six percent. I know prior to the All Star game he wasn't really taking that many threes, but I know post All Star game he was taking a lot more threes per game. So he's he's and that that was after you know AD went down, uh for for the most part. So he kind of did take over. Uh, I think and he's he's a young guy. He's like twenty four, I believe twenty four twenty five. So. As far as a free agent class goes, there really aren't that many guys who are around that age. Most of the guys are in their prime right now, 27, 28 plus. So as far as the young guys go, there's really, as far as like good young players, there's only a handful of them. D'Lo is one, Randall is another, um, and you know maybe, I, I mean honestly, I don't know who else is around that age. That's that's good enough. Uh, the rest of them are like 29 ish. So I, again, depends on the pay. Uh, if, if Randall's down to take like 15, maybe again, this is if we strike out on KD, uh, if we sign out, if we strike on two max players, but I think he would be a fairly good fit with the Knicks. He could fit in with Mitchell Robinson. Um, but also altogether, I, I don't know if he's, he's a necessary signing. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like if we end up signing him, it will be just so we can sign a player. Like I feel like we could yeah, get but, we could get a, maybe Miritich would be a better fit with the Knicks uh, versus Randall, so I I think Randall is a pretty good player, but I don't know if if it's even necessary to even sign him just because if if we if we don't sign anybody we're we're probably gonna be lottery bound again next season. I feel you, and definitely feels like this organization not trying to be lottery bound again, um, especially just given like the lottery like changes that happened this year. We dodged the fucking bullet, bro. There's a lot higher chance we fell to like six than like yep. got three. You know what I mean? So I don't think the franchise itself. Um, we we brought this up or we touched on this in a pr- previous episode, but tanking was a necessity, necessity as soon as KP went down. You know what I mean? We went in with the season that like or went in with the attention that we're gonna play these young kids um, because we have nothing to play for. Basically, that's all they pretty much espoused last summer and going into the season. It's a rebuilding year. It's about like teaching good habits and you know, developing the team and all that. You know what I mean? And I feel like they did, they did they did a good job. They killed two birds with one stone. The kids got hella playing time. Um, we saw some growth um, aside from Frank on both accounts, and we we tanked. You know, we we spent all season talking about tanking. We need to do it. It's our best opportunity. We haven't gotten an opportunity to tank like this in forever, and we got our franchise stud moving forward. Right, so. I think just given that that this franchise is not trying to go through that again, um, that's basically what they've been saying or what's been reported basically is, especially from Ian Bagley, he was on one of these Knicks podcasts recently. He said, "Yeah, nobody, like people in the building, don't want to go through that again. Um, if the, if worst comes to worst this season, they can't get a big fish. It's about adding short-term veteran pieces or just taking on a bad contract that can fit 
you know what I mean? So, like, for example, like, with Randall, it's like, I feel you on that. Like, Miritic would probably be a better fit just because he's an elite shooter, or he's a better shooter, at least. And that's not, I mean, Randall's not, like, out there burking. He shot, like, what, 34%, and I think he made 183. So that's not bad for a big man, you know, mm-hmm. um, from where he was, like, two years ago. Um, when he was on the Lakers, he had kind of a good defensive reputation. Then he got to the Pelicans, and like I said, Alvin Gentry, you know, coach defense. So, you know, he followed suit, right? <laughs> yeah. um, he put up good numbers, right? <laughs> like, um, But, yeah, he's a good fit with Mitch just because, like, them dudes will dominate the boards, bro. Like, ain't no way that we're not going to win the rebounding battle every night, you know? Well, not every night, but, like, on most nights. Like, that's a good-ass combo. Um, I feel you on the spacing spacing issues, but my, my biggest thing is like if we could get him to like a two year deal, he fits the timeline of the kids on the team. Um, he's a talented ass motherfucker. Like when it comes down to it, um, this young team played with mad effort last year. They were in games that they had no business being in, going late into the games. You know what I mean? So it's about just having enough talent to put points on the board. And we got RJ coming in. Dennis should take a jump. Knox should take a jump. All these young kids should take a jump. So you bring in, like, a proven bucket getter like Randall, who's just relentless out there. Like, that dude's a grown-ass man, bro. He's like a bull in a china shop when he's in the paint trying to, like, if he, if he want, when he decides to put his head down and just go to the rim, yeah, there's not many people out there stopping him, bro. Um, So I like Randall in terms of that. I've always been a fan of Randall. Like, when we had KP, I was like, yo, he's the perfect fit if you play KP at the five, bro. I think I brought that up to you a couple years back. Yeah, like Rando is a good ass fit with KP, and I feel like it'd be a a good fit with Mitch. But I mean, you brought up better and cheaper options. Like I'm thinking, Marcus Morris would be a nice, nice fit to sliding slide him in there at our power forward spot. You know what I mean? Now, what do you think about that? Now that you mentioned all those things about about Russell, I'm starting to like him a little bit more, just because he's going to turn 25 this season. If we do get him on a two year deal, we're going to be getting a man. Uh, who's going to be entering his prime and he did average you know over 20 points per game and eight rebounds hopefully he'll go he'll progress even further and maybe maybe he'll be averaging 23 24 points per game um and he's a lefty we could be that lefty team you know (laughs) with with rj and and julius and iggy uh it'll be it'll be hard to guard the knicks if they have strong uh-huh. lefty players who knows no but, no bias over here right as a fellow lefty um but no yeah, I, representation matters i feel you so <laughs> diversity and all that <laughs> uh but you know he he does bring a pedigree um and some experience but at the same time he's young enough to want to prove himself but at the same time he he, he has his best is yet to come hopefully so I, I believe between him and Marcus Morris or even Markeith Morris, because I know they're both kind of linked to the Knicks, I, I would rather get Randall. Um, but again, I would want to cap that off at like a maybe maybe even a three-year deal at the most and like 16 mil. I feel that. You know what I mean? Okay. Uh, what, what did Tim Hardaway get? I it's been it feels like mil. it feels so 17. long ago. He got seventeen mil so at, after averaging <laughs> like fourteen, fifteen points per game. But Randall, um, never really had a bad season. You know what I mean? Like he he's gotten he's improved every season. And right now, if he's capable of handling the New York, you know, pressure, he could be a pretty good piece. Yeah, I mean, I'm high on Randall. Like I'm with you on that. But I'm also kind of feeling like the other options. Um, you, you, you said you prefer Randall over Morris. Yeah. My only caveat with that, my only like hang up basically is that I think Morris would come cheaper just given that he's a veteran. 
Um, and just going towards like exploring other scenarios if we do strike out on any big fish, you know? So we're, for now, we're kind of putting aside the idea that KD would want to come here by himself at rehab. Rehab, right? So we're thinking just like worst, worst case, right? 70 mil cap space, um, a whole bunch of free agents out there. I mean, I wouldn't like, I wouldn't mind Patrick Beverly, bro. You know, if we miss out on Kyrie and Kemba, we bring in like a dog like Beverly to kind of just whip these kids into shape and make sure Dennis never slacks on defense. Make sure, make sure is that Frank never plays timid again. You know what I mean? Like I wouldn't mind just giving like Beverly like a like a big two year deal, just for his veteran presence and just because like if you want if you try to build a winning culture, like we got our young core, you got to bring in some veterans that know how to play and can win you some ball games, right? So I think Beverly would be a nice like short term fit. So how do you feel about Beverly? Uh, before I mention that, we're we keep saying two year deals, and I think that that's an important point to make because when's the next big free agency class is i i don't know i know i don't know anything about the 2021 free agency class but i know 2020 is not that good um if we d- yeah 2020 is like shallow as hell it's most most like most of these reporters between 2021 is the next quote-unquote big year right and i'm just going off one or two years just like giving all like what the local knicks reporters have been saying that's basically what the knicks have been exploring just like they can't get the elite guys. It's got to be short-term deals. You know what I mean? No big-ass commitments. But and yeah, I'm okay with it. That's what, that's what I'm thinking. It might be okay to give Julius a little bit more money to join over Marcus Morris. You know what I mean? Like That's that's like my response to your saying that Marcus Morris comes a little cheaper. I don't think it matters if he's a little cheaper if we're going to try to sign him for a two-year deal. I think we could, we'll, we'll be able to afford to pay him a little bit more, especially if we strike out on KD. Even if we sign KD, KD's not really going to be playing till next year. Uh, and he won't be in full form till two years from now, so uh, or maybe a year and a half. But again, this is Kevin Durant. We don't really fully know. He's the best player in the world. So I think we can give Julius Randle like a pretty, pretty good deal on a two-year uh, contract. Patrick Beverly, I I hate seeing. I, I hate. I would hate to play against him. I would love to have him on our team. Like that's the kind exactly. of that's the kind of grit shit that this team would love. Like he would every every charge that he takes, the Garden will blow up. I know it. I would love to have every him. Time. I, I hated every time. I hated what he did to Westbrook. Russell. I hated what yeah. he did to Russell Westbrook, but I would love to, you know, see him do it, do it in the garden. I mean, I was just about to say, every time he punches Westbrook in the nuts, the garden will fucking just get up on their feet. <laughs> <laughs> Roaring applause. Beverly just, like, running around, waving his hands in his face. Yeah, give it to me. He's a smart, <laughs> he he's a smart guy. He's a very smart player, and I think... He, I, I feel like once he, if he were to come to the Knicks, he would love, you know, getting cheers like that, or you know, the whole Garden would love him, and I feel like he would, he'd be someone who would want to stay with us long term on cheap deals, you know. Yeah, and he, yeah, and like not to go, uh, not no, 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 joke, go but just like even even just last year, like you saw Beverly in a leadership role with like a relatively young team, and I know the Clippers had some nice vets as well, but they they had some young ass young ass kids playing major minutes, right? Beverly was a good veteran presence there, you know. Yep. Like I think he had a, a hand in just making sure like Shy Gilgis and uh Landy Shamet, Landy Shamet, right? Yep. That like those those young guards like that they play big minutes in the playoffs, right? P- pressure minutes. I feel like uh Beverly had a hand in being a good mentor to these kids, you know? So he could do the same for our young boys. Absolutely. Like yeah. I think I think between between you and I, I feel like you and I, I mean, at least at least just me, I kind of hope that within the next two, maybe even three years, that we're like 
were like set to make a deep playoff run, and I would I would like to see a player like Patrick Beverly wanted to be want to be on our team. You know what I mean? So I would like to see the Knicks offer him like a one or two year deal, fairly cheap, and then I'm hoping that he likes it enough to want to sign long term and be one of those key role players if we're trying to make a deep playoff push. I'm sure KD would love playing with Beverly. I mean, similar to how like Kobe recruited all the goons that like went after him. Yep. You know what I mean? Ron he went on and got Matt Barnes, the Ron Artest, you know. Raja Bell even came to the Lakers. So, like, yep. That's a good point. Yeah, I mean, if you can't beat him, bring him on your goddamn team. I mean, that's Fuck Kevin it, Kevin Durant knows a thing or two about that. Uh, just something hey, else. Hey, hey. <laughs> uh, that's our future franchise player you're talking shit about now. Um, it's gonna be Knicks fans or burner accounts. <laughs> if if this Sunday goes well, we all making a two burners each crusade <laughs> to defend our players' honor. Believe that. <laughs> oh man! All right. Um, any other players who you'd be interested? I I would love to have DeAndre Jordan back just because I think he needs to be there for Mitchell Robinson to keep growing. Just bring him back. Give the man like fifty million dollars. I don't give a shit. Let Mitchell Robinson keep growing with with DeAndre. Them dudes is adorable. Like the weirdest <laughs> odd couple I've ever seen. You see them on the bench just like like fucking goofing around with each other? Yeah. It's adorable. <laughs> I wouldn't mind DeAndre back. But um what about how how you feel about Terry Rozier? Point blank period. Nah. Nah? nah. Period? Nah. What I, what if Boston what if Boston renounces him so we don't have to give him a big offer because he wouldn't be restricted no more? Would you give two years to Terry Rozier? Mm. Still not? Nah, I, I feel like he would just hinder Dennis Smith Jr., to be honest. I also don't think that that's like a possible contract for Terry Rozier. I think he's young enough and pretty good enough to get a bigger contract at a different team. But I feel like he would just – he's not old enough to be mature. I i don't think he's mature, you know what I mean? So um, I feel like he would, just, he would just be a problem or a nuisance for Dennis Smith Jr. progress. I think he would actually feel well with Dennis just because – uh, say what you will about Rozier. He did put up good numbers in the playoffs last year. Busted Bledsoe's ass. And um, he has, he's, he's been, what, like a 40% shooter. But, like, he's, he's a better spot-up guy than, like, a straight-up scorer as a point guard. So you can play them two dudes together. And, I mean, we we, we talked about our offense. We talked about, like, um, it being, like, what, the 30th-ranked offense. We were the 25th-ranked defense, right? So similar to how like I was kind of eyeing Beverly for his defensive intensity and his tenacity, Rozier is a pretty good defender himself. You know, not Beverly status, but um, he was playing crunch time minutes for Boston in the last two, you know two years um, in crunch time defensive possession and shit. You know, um, especially with Kyrie, uh, him and Marcus Smart were like a kind of a terror uh, on defense. You know, so I mean that's my biggest thing with Rozier is just I'm not. I'm not thinking he's going to be an all-star, but as like a short-term piece uh, who's been in a winning situation before. Um, and like I said, you need kind of veteran players or guys that have been around to kind of come in and help you win, win ball games while you're developing the youth. I wouldn't mind Rozier, but is it just Rozier the player or is it like you got an issue with like his personality and his fit? No, Rozier the player is fairly good. I don't really think he has that much more potential than what he's done already, but it, it really is Rozier the, the person that kind of rubs me the wrong way uh he went on a show to publicly you know shit on his own team and it's just like 
why you gotta do that like Kyrie did it it wasn't a good look he did it himself at the end of the season it definitely isn't a good look and we know for the Knicks not only are they trying to improve offensively offensively and defensively but they're really trying to improve the culture and trying to bring in like level-headed mindsets and make sure that everybody's on the same you know page and they're they're all like smart but also classy players or they play with class, so that is a big reason why they let go of KP because KP was just talking mad shit and he didn't want to be there, and they didn't they didn't like it, even though he was the best Knicks player that they've had in a very long time. They let go of him, so I just don't think I just don't think Rozier's personality it just it just rubbed me the wrong way that he went on the show just to shit on his own team. My biggest thing with Rozier is in terms of personality and like just what you were saying. You gotta kind of put yourself in your shoes. It's like, imagine you are like an integral core piece to a playoff run to the Eastern Conference Finals last year, and then you come back the next season, your minutes are nearly like cut in half. And obviously Kyrie is a superstar player. Um, that kind of comes with the territory, but like, you're kind of thrown to the wayside. And I mean, he's still a young player, you know? You imagine you're like 24, 25, 25 years old. I am. You just, you just... <laughs> There you go. <laughs> but just imagine you you actually talented at basketball as opposed to what you are right now. <laughs> just imagine. Imagine. I'll, I'll you, try. No, I'll try. I can't. I can't imagine. <laughs> it's a nightmare. But, uh, <laughs> uh, but like, yo, like, his ego got bruised, you know? Like, fair or not. And like so, I, I mentioned earlier, the reports came out of Boston. Like, that happens. Yeah, Why are you going like, on a show you- to, you know – State your grievances. Like keep that within the locker room. Well, don't. Did he call out players explicitly, or did he just go at the the Boston Celtics like management and just infrastructure? Because like it goes back to what I said earlier, or what I mentioned earlier about how like the report dropped that players in the locker room in Boston, not just Kyrie, did not fuck with the preferential treatment Stevens was giving Hayward. That's you know? fine. We could let the league sources tell us that, but he doesn't have to go on a public show to do it. Now, if Kyrie were the difference between what he and Kyrie did is that Kyrie is much more talented. That's why I'm more could Kyrie joining the Knicks just because he's talented enough to help win yeah, games. But Ro- Rozier, but I don't is, I don't even think Rozier is that good. I think he had a hot streak. Like He's I, not, like, but he's better. He, he was playing better than a hobbled Gordon Hayward on one foot. You know what I mean? I think that's what he's most frustrated by. Is it's like Hayward was given the leash to fuck up as much as he wanted because he was basically taking this year to rehab, while Rozier, who was actually there for a playoff run, a crucial piece to a playoff run, got thrown to the wayside and just, like, got his minutes cut in half while this, like, peg-legged, crippled white boy from fucking Utah is getting every opportunity to just fucking fumble the ball off his foot out of bounds. You know what I mean? Like, I kind of sense... I get the frustration is my point. And say what you will, we're in the player empowerment era now. We can't, like... There was always this double standard about, like, fans and media would kind of hate when the players themselves were boring, would give, like, you know, basic-ass answers and generic answers and shit. So I can't, I can't in good conscience kind of go the other way and be like, nah, I can't hate on, I can't hate on a player for just going out of his way to force his opinion and displeasure. And I mean, the game is a game. Terry knows what the situation is. He's a restricted free agent, right? He's basically has no control over his destiny this summer. It's all in Boston's hands. So he's trying to play his the hand that he's been dealt. Like he's gonna make a fuss and have them release him so he controls on destiny. At the end of the day, I'm not going to get mad at a player for that, but I could see how you could, you know, like how anybody could. I'm not mad at him. I just don't really want him anywhere near my team. But also, if he were to join, like, he's talented enough for me to be like, you know, whatever. Like, he, it's, it's not, it's not like detrimental enough for me to be like, nah, I don't want him anywhere near the team. But like, I, I don't, I, I just, 
I don't think it's that big of a deal for me to even want him on the team. My biggest rebuttal to this, this whole Rozier kind of like hesitation, is uh-huh. like, yo, you saw what fucking Fisdale did with Moutier? Like, why would you doubt his ability to break through to a, a playoff-proven Rozier, you know? Moody has enough shit in the playoffs. But like, so could you imagine like Fisdale taking Ro- Rozier under his wing? You know what I mean? Like, say what you will. Brad Stevens, as good of a coach as he is, he's a fucking dork. So Fisdale ain't <laughs> that. You know what I mean? His players love him. You know, I feel like he would. Yo, Rozier would probably mesh perfectly with Fizz. To be honest with you, I'm like knocking all wood. Like, I'm not his biggest fan or anything, but I feel like there's some positive stories here that are like, I'm not saying he's gonna be an all star. But I think just personality issues could be overblown, maybe. I just feel like the ball player, if he comes on like a two-year deal or even just a one-year deal with like a player option, it's worth investing in if you strike out on like Kyrie and Kemba and, and you know, KD and Kawhi and all that, you know? Right. Just something to think about. So just to, just to summarize, at least from my point of view, for everything uh, as far as free agency goes, if we do strike out on Kevin Durant uh, and like, you know, all the other high-level free agents, those the 5Ks. I'm okay with signing Julius Randle on two, maybe three-year contract and getting some expiring contracts and getting some assets from it and and just moving forward from there um, and trying to get some vets like DeAndre Jordan. Vince Carter's a free agent. He, he's never been a Nick yet. Maybe it's time uh, on his last That's season. Yo, Ian Bagley said the Knicks would be interested in bringing in Carter as a veteran president. Hell so yeah, I'd love to have him. Let's make it happen. He played for goddamn every other team. Why the fuck not? <laughs> um, if Melo decides to call it quits, then you know, he, and he has one less one last season left, he might join. Who knows? Um, it would be dope yeah, to I heard, see. Uh, I heard the concession stands at MSG for hiring. So <laughs> my man Melo, you... give me a ring. <laughs> damn. <laughs> I can't even I like I can't even give a rebuttal Mello. to that. Like you and I, I love Melo, but Mello. he's just he's certified wash, bro. We both love him, but if KD, if we were bringing in a healthy KD, fucking bring Kyrie, give me Melo. I don't give a fuck. <laughs> give me his retirement tour. Now it's just gonna be sad, bro. Like Melo's out there taking two dribble pull ups with RJ in the corner yelling for the ball, and then that shit goes break. Mitchell <laughs> Robinson just glazes his eyes over. Dennis Smith got to be restrained by Patrick Beverly from killing Melo. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not trying to see that, man. Uh, the Melo era kind of went out sad. I'm yeah. Not trying to have like a reprise of that, you know what I mean? I, and I get that. Like, yeah, if we were getting KD and all them boys healthy, then yeah, Melo would have been nice. Definitely not for this. You know, I'd rather get, I'd rather get me some Vince Carter. <clears throat> yeah, at least Vince Carter can still dunk. Can we say that about Melo? I we right, we were bad. able to say that mellow like eight years ago. <laughs> my, and that was it. my bad, my bad. That was my last shot. That was flagrant. <laughs> I apologize, Mello. I love you. <laughs> but I mean, what? Fuck, bro. Like, I mean, what are the options really are there if we like strike out? We pretty much discuss everything. Yeah. Um. I, actually, I was gonna mention. I kind of like. We didn't really give the when we talk about the draft. We didn't really give props to this team, but the Hawks really cleaned up, bro. Like the last two years. And one of the aspects that kind of gets underrated about their rebuild is that they've been willing and able to just take on bad contracts for assets. You know what I mean? They did that with three players this, this past two weeks alone. Torian Prince. No, not Torian Prince. Alan Crabb, fucking Solomon Hill, and um, Evan Turner. They got back assets for, for all those big contracts, right? And the thing is, those aren't all, like, 
pure scrubs. You know what I mean? They're actually useful if you got like a young team and need some veteran presence and veteran mentors around. Right. So I wouldn't be mad if the Knicks kind of took a page out of the Hawks book and brought in these big contracts that these other teams don't want with for some draft picks. You know what I mean? Like if they if a team like Charlotte is just like, yo, we'll give you Marvin Williams and like two second round picks, I would take that, you know? Because he's an expiring contract and he could slot in as like a filler, like fill in replacement as our starting power forward for a season. You know yeah. what I mean? Something like that. Like I wouldn't be I wouldn't mind if Scott Perry went that route if everything goes south, you know? That's not a bad like, option. Uh, right? If they skipped out on Randall and mm-hmm. D'Angelo, like I wouldn't be mad at all at just like them taking on these bad contracts for picks. It's a right. good move, honestly. Yeah, especially if they're trying to avoid a luxury tax, if they're trying to sign Kemba, that's actually not a bad plan at all. Um, yeah, oh, I mean, Marvel I Williams. A, I just got a notification <laughs> that the Knicks are considering DeMarcus Cousins. So before we oh, before we end this, oh, I want to hear your quick thoughts on, on Boogie. How I mean, much would you be willing to give him? Because he is going to be at this point, you know, more than a year out of his Achilles injury. He's going to be, I think, 20, I think he's 28 right now. Um, I might be a year or two off, but um, what, what do you think of Boogie? Um, well, first thing, we, we mentioned this article earlier, like twice, on the, that, that article about the Knicks front office or uh, franchise mm-hmm. uh, on the undefeated uh, affiliate of ESPN. It's by Mark Spears, so it's like our third time mentioning it. But in that article itself, he had listed out possible targets that his sources in the Knicks organization told him. DeMarcus Cousins was on it. So I'm kind of shocked we did not bring that up earlier, so that's on us. It's our bad. But um, who's the, who's the reporter that kind of just brought that up right now? Like, who's the alert from? Did it say? Uh, Mark Stein. Uh, yeah, so that's a big name. Um, but, yeah, I guess the question is that what I feel about Boogie. Before his Achilles went down, I fucking love Boogie, man. And you know me. I'm a fucking Rashid Wallace stan. Boogie was like the closest thing we would, we gotten to a reincarnation lately. You know what I mean? I just love the fact that he doesn't give he gives zero fucks. He's a fucking asshole. Nobody can say nothing to him because he's fucking humongous. 300 pounds. You know what I mean? <laughs> but uh, in terms of his game, before his Achilles injury, I fucking love watching him play, at least offensively. When he was dialed in on defense, which, to be honest, was rarely... I mean, you know, the Kings, nobody played defense, so he had to carry that team on his back, you know what I mean? But I'm not here to make excuses for the man, but at least offensively speaking, that man was fucking a nimble giant out there, you know what I mean? Um, Nice post game, good-ass passer, um, a, like a bully on the block, so that goes with the post game. He could shoot a little bit. He was actually a really good spot-up shooter um, when he was – at his like at his best on the Pelicans with AD when they were like they were heating up before he tore his Achilles. A lot of people forget that, but Pelicans were on their way to making a playoff run with him and uh, AD before his uh, Achilles gave out. And um, he was a pretty good spot up shooter because like they would have AD kind of roaming the paint, so it was Demarcus that would usually be spotting up off of AD, right? So I feel like I'll, I'll take him on a one year deal. You know, one year deal, maybe a second year team option. But that's thinking ideal, right? Maybe a second-year player option. We'll bring Demarcus in. Um, shit, he could be a, a mentor to Mitch, you know. And if Scott Perry approves of like a culture fit, like who am I to disagree? Because he's been he's been hitting it on all on all cylinders when it comes to like bringing in culture fits, you know. So two How things. Two things. Um, part of the headline says that they'll consider him if they fail to sign KD. 
So that means that they'd probably be having to give him big money, especially since he took a huge pay cut with the Warriors. I think he took like a six mil or eight mil one year deal. So I feel like a one year and then one, uh, like a two year, one year being a player option or team option, I don't think that's going to be possible with, with DeMarcus Cousins. I think he just took such a big pay cut that he's going to try to get his money. And I think some team out there will give him his money. And I wouldn't want well, that to be the Knicks if it's going to be like well, more than two years. <clears throat> um, so my thing is like I was speaking all praises about Boogie before his injury we got to talk about last year he did not look like himself and in the playoffs he had that quad injury that to be fair he, it seemed like he rushed back from and I'm pretty sure he did rush back from because remember when he had that quad injury he said he was out for the whole playoffs Yep. and he's suddenly back in like two weeks which right now just given what we've, what we've seen from the Warriors medical situation that looks mad sus you know what I mean yep but anyway, he didn't. He didn't look like himself. He had no lift. He was just fucking missing point blank layups. Looked slow out there, like he had cinder blocks on his feet. You know what I mean? So I don't think we have to totally worry about paying him big money because I don't think any of the teams out there. It's gonna be similar to last year. Like you'll see that buggy look kind of broken down and just clearly not himself after that Achilles injury. And he's. I think he's been like the biggest player to suffer an Achilles tear like ever in NBA history. And we already know he's a big boy. Like, like 300 pounds. The man's a fucking big show out there. <laughs> so, I mean, <clears throat> given that, I don't think it will take, like, a lot of money to bring him in. We might even be able to get that team option, honestly. Just because I don't think he'll have the leverage. And is, Did it say it would be mutual interest or it would be just, like, interest from our end? No, it just says Knicks will consider offering him. That's it. I mean... I mean, I've spoken enough about Boogie. Like, seems like you, like, so if, if we could get him for, like, 10 to 12, I was maybe, what, maybe, like, a one-year $15 million deal, would you do that for uh, for Boogie? Mm. Would it benefit us? I mean, if it's a one-year deal, like, say, you, you're taking a shot on a, a an all-star Big man, you know what I mean. It, it's unlikely he'll become himself, but for a one year for a one year shot, why not? Yeah, why not? Yeah, he's he's twenty years old. He's still like technically in his prime years, um, and hopefully this summer he'll be rehabbing from that quad injury enough to be at least a semblance of what he used to be. So for a year, I would I would probably do I'd probably try to sign him to a two year second being a team option and see. You know how that goes. Yeah, because if he kills it, which shit, we got him locked up. So yeah. why not? I mean, all right, man. Let's uh write up that email to Scott Perry. Let him know if mm-hmm. we approve. Mm-hmm. Get it done. Get it done. Uh, I'll call him. I got my speed dial. Yeah, just uh put something on his calendar for tomorrow at noon. We'll discuss. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, I think uh we went long today, bro. Probably the longest episode ever. But yeah. Yeah, we covered every base. So, yes, sir. Yeah, I mean, people can't complain about us being gone for a month. We kind of think we made it up in two episodes. So, there you go. Yep. Um, next episode again might possibly be the day of um, the first day of free agency a few hours prior. Uh, so we'll we'll see. But I believe the next time the the, the listeners will hear us will be after the first day of free agency, which. Sometimes there is a big signing, so we'll see. Um, 
apart from that, again, if you don't follow us on social media, please follow us and subscribe to us uh, at and at Nickish Podcast on Twitter and Instagram. Follow us on Spotify, Apple Music, SoundCloud. Again, give us a like, rate, review, follow, subscribe, comment, all that good stuff. Uh, if you've been listening to us all these episodes, this is episode number twenty-two. We're pretty much, I think, I think yesterday made it exactly a year since we first started recording our demos. I, I gotta double check that, but I think June twenty-fifth was last year was the first time we did it. So we kind of made it a year, man. Yeah, I mean, let's not go pat ourselves on the back too hard, but uh, it's been fun, bro. Like honestly, it just was basically a reason for us to just talk like every every so week or whatever just, just talk shit about basketball so they can't complain too much about that right nope it's been fun and we, we we've been gradually growing um we'll see where where the rest of 2019 and beyond takes us but it's been fun so far man can't complain been cool and hopefully the people that have been listening from the start are still listening with us you know yeah we appreciate all yeah. the listeners <laughs> i people hit me up random times telling me that they're you know enjoying the episodes they got this comment this comment so you know, anytime you feel like you want to make a comment or any constructive criticism, you know, feel free to leave a comment. You know, hit one of us up. We'll let we'll we'll be happy to hear it. Um, but you know, otherwise, if you made it this far into the episode, we're almost we're nearing two hours right now. Definitely the longest episode we've had so far. Uh, we really appreciate it. So thank you. Um, yeah, and if it went off the rails, uh, apologies because there's some sleep de- <laughs> deprivation on this end over here. We both went through some work, long work days. You know what I mean? Yep. It's not like we're doing this full time as much as we wish we could. So we were, despite all that, we're, we're getting together to talk shit about basketball for the listeners, our loyal listeners, all all twelve of you. So <laughs> we still waiting on that sponsor. We still waiting on that sponsorship <laughs> sponsorship deal though. So if you're looking to sponsor us, let us know. I haven't said that in a long time, um, but we're still looking. So you know, for real though, hit us up. Um. But apart from that, you know, tune in next week for our episode number 23, our Jordan episode. Um, but apart from that, that's pretty much it from here. So on behalf of both Nafia and I, thank you for listening. And again, tune in next week. Peace. Yeah, and keep us in your prayers because, like, it's now or never. Like, the free agency is here. Like, if y'all ain't <laughs> been praying for us so far, start now. And if not, then... It's fucked up, man. Like, why not? <laughs> what else can we do? Like, physically, we can't. We got no control over our fate. This is crazy. This is this fandom shit is retarded. But we do it anyway because it's fucking amazing when it's good. So, hopefully, something good happens this, this, this weekend. You know what I mean? So, yeah. Peace.